You are now tuned in to The Gifted Gab. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Gifted Gab. It's your boy, Alex Eskandarka. And before we get started, I just want to say, you know, I want to appreciate you guys for tuning in. Appreciate you guys for listening. Make sure you are subscribed to The Gifted Gab. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube as well. We've got some great videos up there, visual episodes, clips from some of our old stuff, some throwbacks. We've got some other stuff coming up there just now. You know, So tap in, make sure you subscribe there and here. And check out our website at www.thegiftedgab.com. Uh, my next guest on 1K Convos is a guy I've been admiring for a long time. We used to work together in the nightclub scene for a little bit. Yeah, I did that briefly. It's my past life. But, uh, you know, Star is a guy, a leader in the community doing some wonderful things. You know, he, he's got his own festival called Sea Tribe. Uh, he started out as a tech entrepreneur. And, you know, it's it's... It's it's inspiring to see you know young people like ourselves you know, embarking on these journeys, and and him being black is just you know cherry on the cake. You know what I mean. So representation is important, and when we see you know black leaders in the community doing big things in Edmonton, it's inspiring. You know, so he's been a he's been a almost like a textbook for me. You know, I've just been taking notes. So I hope you guys do enjoy this episode. Without no more further ado, 1K Convos, Sarasafa. You are now tuned in to The Gifted Gap. special guest with me today he goes by the name of sar what's going on what's up what's it wasn't, up <laughs> it wasn't the best introduction but <laughs> it's <laughs> we, all good we, we, we've been talking for like the last hour or so i know i know a lot of the We're stuff i was like damn i wish we were rolling <laughs> <laughs> a lot of gems a lot of gems you know i've been admiring you from afar from when we used to uh when we used to work at exo uh Kind of got it. Watched you do the bartending. Got in the bartending game myself. Yeah. Watched the modeling thing. Got in the modeling game myself. Um, and now you're just you know full fledged tech entrepreneur. You're putting on for Edmonton. Uh, I I admire what you're doing for the city. I told you before, like Edmonton is where it's at. I'm, <laughs> Edmonton might have to hire me as a spokes- <laughs> spokesperson. <laughs> Not very many people saying that, but uh, yeah, you're you're right. You're right. What is it? What is it about Edmonton that you know that you decided this is where you wanted to plant your foot and build some? Well, I mean, first for thanks for having me. I think I've been following your guys's uh, come up for a while. Given that you know Andre, uh, he's uh, he's also part of the the U of A kind of alumni team. Well, he's not alumni. Is he alumni yet? Not yet. He's not got yet. One more okay. Year. <laughs> yeah. So he, he's part of the the Bears Nation camp there and. You know, you always want to show support for for the homies and stuff. And like you said, working with you in the the club scene back in the days, uh, you know, when when we were young bucks, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's neat how people from kind of different 
arenas of your life kind of connect and work on things, right? I, I find that really, really admirable. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, kind of regards to a lot of the stuff that I, I, I've been fortunate to get into, it's, you know, I, I do like to kind of give the full disclosure to people that, you know, sometimes it is all smokes and mirrors, right? Like there's so much ugliness that goes on behind the scenes and so much turmoil and things that may not make the the most latest Instagram headline. And I think that's just really important to point out, especially for people that may be listening or tuning in or following either of our stories, because with the glitz and glamour that comes with all of it, there's a lot of, you know, struggle and growth and things that people don't generally like to experience, right? So I, I just like to give that full disclosure to people uh, because, yeah, you can maybe look at my Instagram profile or follow my story and be like, oh, man, like, you know, he's got a mate or something, right? But obviously that's not the case. I think we're all learning and growing and finding our own path in this journey called life. To get to your question about Edmonton, I think as we were kind of discussing a little bit earlier, you know, when you're looking at getting involved into something new and something that you want to build into something big, you know, you, you got to be able to consider some of the trends down the road that people may not see, right? Uh, Peter Thiel, he's a very famous investor. He asks a very, very important question when he goes to invest in a new company. And he asks the founders of that company is, what is something that you believe that very few people will agree with you on? And generally, if there's a good answer that correlates to that business idea, that's, that's generally a, one of the good points of feedback that he looks for when he goes to make an investment. Uh, you know, take, for example, some of the, the big names in business or tech that we see nowadays, whether it's Airbnb or Uber or SpaceX or Tesla, right? 10, 20 years ago, if you were to tell people that you were going to try and reuse rocket ships and play the game of space transportation better than the uh, better than NASA or some of the the nation state agencies, people would laugh at you and wouldn't really give you the time of day. You know, 10, 20 years ago, if you were to tell people that you were going to revolutionize the hotel model and create a way for people to rent out rooms in their houses or basements in their houses and create a safe model and uh, a brand where people would feel trusted to do that, a lot of people would look at you really, really crazy. So when Peter Thiel asked that question and, you know, he's looking for those latent ideas that and latent trends that people may not recognize right away. And that generally is at least the good foundation of a, a big and vast business idea. So when it comes to investing in a city or investing in a region, when I look at Edmonton, there are some latent things that, as we were kind of discussing in our earlier conversation, that the general population may just not see it. You know, we, we may not necessarily, it's not right up in front of our face. 
in the sense of we're basically witnessing a downtown core transform before our eyes, right? When I started university here, there was no such thing as the ICE district. There was no Stantec Tower. There was no City of Edmonton Tower, City of Edmonton Tower. There was no JW Marriott. But basically within the, mat, the span of 10 to 12 years, we've seen billions of dollars being poured into the downtown investment, right? So that, that's a trend that's really, really unique and something that maybe now some people are more catching on to. But back then, it wasn't really obvious in terms of why are people making these type of investments here in the region. I mean, you mentioned some stuff around technology and, and AI in some of our earlier conversations, right? As we look at the technology that's impacting our daily lives and helping us make every single decision every single day, you know, the nearest gas station that we we search on Google Maps or, you know, find me the best Persian rug uh, <laughs> dealer in Edmonton, you know, hopefully, you know, your location is, is coming up, but we're allowing algorithms and computers to make these decisions for us every single day. And the neat thing, I think the opportunity, but yet the threat is that these are all being written by humans, right? It's humans like you and I who have biases who take what we believe is correct and input that into some code that people then use on software. And if we think of how powerful that is, that we can influence consumer behavior by transmuting an idea out of our head, putting it into code and having other people use that product or service, that's really, really powerful. So the underlying thread of all of this technology that we're getting used to in our daily lives is artificial intelligence and machine learning. And the fact that in our backyard here in, in the city of Edmonton and the University of Alberta, we have one of the best artificial intelligence institutions in the entire world, right? I mean, at one point we were competing with the Harvards, the Yales, the, you know, Ivy Leagues of the world and stuff for this type of content and this type of knowledge. And we have that right here in our backyard. So kind of rounding everything out, when you take and consider some of these trends that may not be obvious to the general population and you kind of envision yourself in 10, 20 years down the road and you think of what the world will look like, at least from your perspective, and you start to ask your question, ask that question of what is something that I believe that very few people may not understand. Some of these things start to line up and you start to think, oh, crap, like, you know, this city has the framework, has the baseline for what's going to drive consumer behavior and commerce in the future. So all things considered, I think Edmonton is a really, really great place to to build a foundation and i mean it's also really fairly affordable and the you know you get a really good bang for your buck and you know high quality of living and stuff right so yeah that's that's my roundabout answer there <laughs> that's very that's a very very uh detailed answer and you touched on a few things there but the big the biggest thing i take away from that is that ai is the way of the future you know 
um, as we see society progress, we see the middle class disappear more and more and more, right? And and this is because you know AI has taken you know a lot of the things that humans used to do and is doing them at a at a much more accurate rate. I mean, yep. how can you how can you go against or compete with uh, a machine that can do a calculation in a tenth of a second? Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you know, artificial intelligence can probably tell me what I'm going to wear tomorrow. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> when you understand that how powerful these these algorithms are and and the coding and everything that goes into them, you know, it does make our lives much easier. But do you think do you think AI might be making our lives a little too easy? Is there a threat to you know, growing up, you you obviously you know you had to do a lot of things yourself. You know, does does AI take away our independence in a sense? Yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, I think this is the first time in human existence that there's a chance that there might be a more superior being that's much more powerful, much more knowledgeable, much more efficient than a human being. And so just providing that context, I think that can be really scary for people. I mean, it is it is scary if you if you think about it. But on the flip side and looking at the full spectrum, humans are very very good at adapting. Hmm. And humans are very good at exerting, you know, and this can be looked at two different ways, whether it's positive or negative, but exerting our our world dominance, right? I mean, if you look at human history and the the wiping out of the Neanderthals, I think they're they're called, mm -hmm. and um, you know, different different other species that were a threat to human beings, yet we found a way to contain our dominance. Now, we are dealing with a much more powerful, much more thorough, much more fluid entity, uh, and that's in, you know, artificial intelligence algorithms or machine learning, big data, uh, you know, supercomputing i mean the, the list goes on and on in terms of the the technology that we are we're we're up against you know the, the best analogy that i like to give is i mean imagine if you are an ant and you're you know there's this ant crawling on this table and there's a human with this finger against the ant right when the ant uses different receptors and then you know antennas in its brain it can only sense the finger that's in front of his brain it can't sense everything, this whole person that's behind it. You know, I think that's where we are right now is, as human beings in this kind of, you know, as we kind of either grow or, or be annihilated. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're this just little ant and we just don't know what's on the other side of that door, what's on the other side of that finger because it's not just artificial intelligence and machine learning that's on the upbringing. It's things like 
augmented reality and virtual reality and big data and quantum computing and, um, you know, gen- genome sequencing and, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 different technologies that are as disruptive as the internet, mobile phones, and social media were 10, 20 years ago. Now, there's not a day in our lives that we go that where we don't use those three things. In the next 20 years, we're going to get 20 more of these highly disruptive tools and technology that we don't even know what we're going to do with this type of power. And the thing about technology is that it makes us very powerful, but it doesn't change who we are. So as we go down through this journey and we explore being that ant that's facing that finger, the, the job is to change the internal DNA of who we are as human beings, working on things like our empathy, our communication, our relationship building, our fortitude, that is going to, I think that's what's going to help us navigate through this very disruptive and uncertain future is if we're able to master ourselves and then accelerate our abilities with everything that the world and technology and, you know, if, you know, if you're spiritual or, you know, God given that we're, we're going to be handed down to us. So I think that's one thread or one area to look at it at. I think another thing to consider is there's two things, right? If I, if let's say I move, you know, I moved to Edmonton for the first time. I don't speak a lick of English. And let's say I move from Sierra Leone and I'm still trying to figure out my way around here or I'm still trying to, you know, get a job. What's, if I have a driver's license, what's one thing that I could do? Uber, you know, like, uh, what's the other one? Skip the dishes? Exactly. You know, it's you can be an Uber driver. You can, you know, deliver food. This, this is, so AI doesn't just remove jobs. It actually adds Mm -hmm. way more than it removes because now that newcomer doesn't have to know the street directions, probably doesn't even have to know really good English. Mm -hmm. He can just, he or she can just plug in their phone and just learn what the different alerts and notifications means you know turn when the car tells you to turn go into the restaurant when the car tells or when the phone tells you to go into the restaurant pick up the order number show your phone and you're making a hundred dollars a night right and you know if we look even further back into history we've been through dramatic changes like this before right we we've been through the agricultural revolution we've been through industrialization we've been through even the ability to write i mean imagine living at a time where we transition from not having the ability to write to having the ability to to write and just the world of ability that was basically you know we kind of talked about a little bit briefly but there's a six d's to disruption and we talked about dematerialization and um and digitized digitized 
digitize it. But there's another thing that technology gives us is decentralization, mm-hmm. right? So just like how you're able to set up this podcast infrastructure with very you know little resources compared to what things were like 20 to 30 years ago, now these you know radio or broadcasting companies that honed all this power and control the mass media had now been decentralized, right? We, we've been through all these transitions before as, as human beings. So that's why I, I feel that we have, I have confidence in who we are as a race and how we can adapt and learn, but it doesn't happen without, you know, I mean, if, if we look at what's happening in the United States right now and you have a very volatile, uh, you know, number 45 who's in office, and you say or you do the wrong thing and, you know, he or she having the power to unleash a cold war with, let's say, other nation states and stuff, right? Now that we have access to nuclear technology and artificial intelligence and all this stuff, you know, it's really, really dangerous if we don't work on who we are at the core. And if we don't understand empathy and understand other human beings and understand how to compromise so i don't think ai is is replacing us per se i mean i think there is definitely an imminent threat of us being faced with a superior being that's maybe much more smarter and agile than humans but i have faith in the human race i think we've proved it over the last two hundred thousand years since we've evolved in the sub-saharan deserts of, of 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 africa and I think the future is bright, but that isn't to say that we, we, we can't work on ourselves. I think, you know, it starts with ourselves, right? You know, you got to be able to look in the mirror and, and hope that you're working towards bettering yourself every day. And, and you mentioned that, you know, the human race is the best race when it comes to adapting. Mm. You know, we've, we've like, dominated in, in so many different fields and so many different areas and you know our consciousness is the one thing that separates us from every other uh, race on the planet you know it's that we're we know we can die mm-hmm. you know so we don't take the days for granted as a human race and I I love what AI has done you know when you talk about being disruptive you know, Airbnb, Uber, Tesla, mm. these companies, like you said, 20 years ago, try to, <laughs> if these guys came up and said, hey, this was going to do, yeah. <laughs> look at you like you're crazy. Can I stay in your basement? <laughs> uh, like, it sounds like in your car. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> you know, going from, you know, going to Blockbuster every Friday night <laughs> to now you're just yeah. sitting in your front of the screen. Every movie's in front of you because yeah. of Netflix, Crave, Amazon Prime. You know, it's, it's, it's fascinating the accessibility that technology has brought us. Yeah. Um, and, and there isn't a better time to now switch from being just consumers of these technologies to actually producers of these technologies because it's never been easier to identify a problem that you have in your life or something that you think that a group of people are suffering with, suffering from, and creating a solution to it. And taking that solution and building it to a place where, you know, you have team members and you have revenue and you have products, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not a software programmer, right? I don't, I, I, I understand 
you know, some of the very preliminary things about artificial intelligence and, and algorithms and all that sort of stuff. But I, I by no means am I like a data scientist or a, an AI engineer or any, uh, any that sort you know, any of those things. But either were the Airbnb founders, mm-hmm. right? Either was the Uber founders, right? What they understood was the power of the internet. And, you know, especially, it's really interesting when you read the Airbnb story and, you know, they would go to the different hotel chains and, you know, they would talk to seasoned hotel veterans and executives and they would basically, again, just laugh them out of the building because they were like, you, you kids, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't, you know, we've been in this industry for 25 years. You don't know, you know, anything that we've seen or you don't have the experience that we, we have. And before we know it, Airbnb is, you know, the arguably the biggest hotel chain, but it doesn't own any, any, any property per se, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important that people consider themselves or get themselves in the mindset of being producers of these things and not really, you know, if, if you want, it does give you a competitive edge to maybe get a little bit familiar with how the technology works and stuff. But first is just understanding what the possible capabilities are and what this could mean if you're able to create something out of it, right? Because that is what's unlocking that. That's what's creating, that's that's the new kind of gold rush, mm-hmm. right? That is the new opportunities, right? You're seeing, you know, I, I go to the Bay Area at least every like few months. I mean, before COVID, at least every, you know, every month. And you're seeing these 21, 22, 23 year olds basically just, you know, walking around and, you know, you talk to them and, you know, these guys have 100, 200 people, people, companies, you know, uh, just in, in Palo Alto or, or some of the, like the, the, the main, you know, California tech hubs and stuff. Right. So the opportunity is there. Right. I think we, we just have to be producers of this this material. Right. Instead of just consumers. Mm-hmm. When, when you when you talk about um, Airbnb and you talk about Netflix and, and these disruptive companies, the business model hasn't really changed. If you think about it, you know, middlemen are the ones who get paid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, the, it's the middleman who makes the most money. And Airbnb and Netflix are, are middlemen. Essentially, yeah. Amazon is a middleman. Yeah. Right. And the the mo- the business model itself hasn't changed. Yeah. Just the way they deliver uh, the products, the goods, the services has changed. You know, you've yeah. just taken away the, you know, the inventory. Exactly. You know, yeah. the, having to hold inventory or yeah. having to have real estate or having to have a fleet of cars. You know, once you, you know, you simplify. Mm-hmm. And that's really what technology is doing is helping yeah. us simplify things. So it's it's I'm excited to see where technology takes us. You yeah. know, tech has made my life way, <laughs> way much easier. You know, even when you talk about, you know, the store, I mean, if it wasn't for technology, if it wasn't for having a MacBook and, you know, access to the internet, yeah, you know, I probably wouldn't be here in Edmonton in yeah. the store in the first yeah. place. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have the podcast. So you know the villainizing of tech and AI, and I think is more of a byproduct of 
social media and people wanting to be looking for something to be yeah. offended by, you know, obviously there's some things that people should actually be offended by, but for a lot of the time there's a lot of stuff that people are fishing for to yeah. have a word about or have a say on that isn't always necessarily negative. You yeah. know, it's, it's pr- all about perspective. And, you know, which kind of brings me to my next point, you know, being a black man in Edmonton, you know, um, how did, you know, not just COVID, COVID was one part of it, but the race relations and everything go on, you know, how did that uh, affect you, um, affect your day-to-day, your business? You know, how did that, how did you take everything that was going on? Yeah, really, really good question. And again, a lot to unpack there. But I, I mean, just kind of rewinding a little bit, you know, I think the reason why as human beings, we look for the negative information or negative energy per se is, you know, we have this tiny lizard brain, <laughs> tiny, <laughs> got to cut this part out. <laughs> uh, we, we have this tiny lizard brain that has basically helped us get to where we are. Survival, you know, right? Yeah, exactly. Fight versus flight, right? I mean, if we're walking down the street and we see a bear and our first reaction is to, you know, use our, you know, frontal cortex or our, our more cognitive function to think, hmm, how is this bear doing today? You know, should I go and pet it, give it a glass of water? You are probably not going to make it make it out. So there's, there's a purpose for, for that. But I think as we receive exponential technology, we now have to think of how we can be exponential thinkers. And instead of being linear thinkers where, you know, 200,000 years ago, if there's something that happened in, you know, one village in, in Africa and the only way that the other village was finding out about that is if they sent a carrier pigeon or if they sent a messenger messenger to to go out now i mean unfortunately with you know what's happened in 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 beirut and in lebanon you know it's it's very very you know unfortunate but just think of how quick the world caught on to that and think of how quick we're able to learn about everything that 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 happened and exactly how it happened almost right and we were able to see vividly high quality 1080 you know k picture of what people are experiencing Mm -hmm. so you know we now have to transition from being less linear thinkers to exponential thinkers which kind of brings me a little bit to your next question in terms of how covid impacted me and us and black lives matter impacted me and us Arguably, I think it was one of the best things that happened to me personally. And we've recently made it the best thing that happened to our, our, our business. And I mean, just starting with me, I, I'm a very introverted person, right? So having the ability to have phone calls with people remotely and not having to 
take that extra transit time to get to location XYZ or, you know, usually I'd be jumping like meeting to meeting and stuff. You know, I have way more time in my day to do the things that I, I want to do. And, and it's, you know, one of my friends who, who, who she, you know, she has a very, a lot of like contrarian viewpoints when it comes to things that are happening in our, in our world and stuff. And, you know, she said that Donald Trump was the best thing that happened to, to America. And your first impression of that statement is very, wow, that's, that's offensive, right? You're, you're, you're using your white privilege to completely ignore the tensions or the, the challenges that, uh, you know, number 45 brings to, to the table. You can't keep calling him number 45. Number 45 is MJ. <laughs> I'm glad we cleared that up. I'm going to say 45P. <laughs> um, but if you really just unpack that and you boil that down, I mean, what's the first step when you try to solve a problem? You have to first identify the problem. You got to acknowledge it. You got to acknowledge it. And... Arguably, when Barack was in office, America felt that they won racial tensions and that racism was a thing that they can now kind of write off because, oh my gosh, we have the first black president in office. You well, know. it's a symbolic victory, but I say symbolic in that it's not a really, ta- it wasn't a tangible Correct solution and victory right it was just you know yeah he's there but in the grand scheme of things is it a big step yeah but nothing has been solved correct exactly and that's 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 a really good point because what's bubbling at the undercurrents of the u.s it really wasn't given that light of day because no one was really acknowledging the problem or calling a spade a spade Mm -hmm. But now with with Trump and just his ability to garner divisiveness and cause divisiveness amongst, you know, disparate groups of, of, of pockets of people, people globally now are looking at that and be like, oh, OK, this is this is messed up. You know, we, we got to address this. Mm-hmm. And. If, you know, my naive assumption is that if you know Barack was was still in office and the unfortunate passings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and um and uh, you know Ahmaud Aubrey happened I think Barack would have been really really good at uniting the country really really fast which again would not address what's happening at the undercurrents mm-hmm. but because I mean has Trump even come out and even acknowledge uh, racial tensions and acknowledge the the struggles that African Americans, Black Americans face. No, and I think that's why we're experiencing one of the biggest civil rights movement or the biggest civil rights movement history or in in all of history, mm-hmm. movements in all of history, is because of this fact that you know you have all these like factors that are contributing to exposing what's really happening 
mm-hmm. at the undercurrents. Oh yeah, and it's it's you know we take it back to social media. It's giving right. us a, a direct view mm-hmm. of these things happening in real time. Exactly. You know? yeah. We're seeing police, you know, shove down old men. Yeah. We're seeing them throw processors in unmarked cars. Yeah. We're seeing a whole bunch of things that you know if this movement was happening. 50 60 years ago we wouldn't see correct yeah. this stuff right exactly because, you know the, the the narrative and the media would be controlled would be in the hands of other people but now the agency in that you know we all have phones we all have twitter we all have instagram we all are able to showcase what's going on and on top of that you have you know a president who has actually amplified everything yep. going on it's a great word you know, he's amplified everything and, and it's no longer just underneath the surface. It's in front of you and now you have to engage with it. Yep. And it's interesting because another thing we saw is, you know, companies had to take a stand. Organizations mm-hmm. had to take a stand mm-hmm. because yeah. you can't act like it's not <laughs> happening anymore. Yeah. And, you know, the organizations that spoke out and said, you know, we don't stand by this. You've made your stance clear, but then there's a lot of companies, some that I've even worked for, that have, you know, tried to main, try to play both sides or, you know, be nonpartisan. But we have to take into consideration that this is, that flies. But <laughs> Slide on my nose. <laughs> uh, we have to, we have to really take in that this is no longer a political issue. Mm-hmm. This is a, a human rights issue you know mm-hmm. black people have built america mm-hmm. you know and and america is arguably well no not arguably in their eyes the leader of the free world yeah, yeah. you know so you can't keep this stuff under wraps for too long yeah. sooner or later it's gonna implode yeah and i think that's what we're seeing right now i really think we're seeing the end of america mm. it, it's bold it's it's very bold but I mean, you know, when you have COVID going on, right, and yeah. people are stripped from their day-to-day lives, you know, people have to ask themselves, you know, what do I stand for? Mm-hmm. Not just in, in race relations, in life in general. You know, you're no longer tied to what you do as your 9 to 5. Yeah. You really have to confront who you are as a person, mm-hmm. which is very uncomfortable for a lot of people. 100%, yeah. You know, it's, it's a very uncomfortable conversation to to have to confront yourself mm-hmm. and have that self-talk with yourself and ask yourself what it is that I contribute to the world. What am I here for? Yeah. What is my purpose? Yeah. That's a very, very uncomfortable conversation that I've had with myself. I know you've had that with mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact of the matter is sometimes people are too busy to have that yeah. conversation. But now there's no excuse. Well, you know, I think this is based on things like the assembly line and you know the the creation of the v8 engine and just how that accelerated car production and stuff we started treating humans the same way in the sense where we wanted to mass produce and mass create how people thought felt and how they did things when as you you blankly stated we're very different individuals and what your purpose is in life 
and your skill sets and the things that make you unique and the things that you're passionate about and what the world will value from you is completely different from mine. And so we've now moved away from this arena of mass production to, oh crap, like we have to help people become a little bit more personalized and a little bit more true to who they are. So unfortunately, I wouldn't necessarily blame the individual too much. It's just the architecture of the system that we've grown up in. You know, the the, cl- the classroom and, you know, you raise your hand to speak. You walk down in this hallway. You only go outside when the recess bell rings and stuff. So we've and, you know, you can argue that it's worked to some degree. Right. We can't look back and say that everything has been all bad because, you know, there aren't not everybody is, let's say, as driven as you or I are. And they need that. Structure. step by step and structure and guideline and map to help them live just that comfortable life that they want to live to. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Mm. And in fact, we need that, mm-hmm. right? You know, when you're, let's say you're building a company and you're the big picture CEO and you have all the audacious ideas and vision and strategy and stuff, or maybe not strategy, you know, you need that person that's able to bring you down to earth and be like, all right, this is how we map this out. This is how we get from point A to point B. This is how we make sure that we're not burning too much cash before we get to the get to the goal post or the next payday or something, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you do need that structure in, in different faucets and different aspects of, of our lives and stuff. So it, it isn't all bad. Absolutely. But what technology has provided us is the ability to be very, very customized, right? Where even the educational institution is being revitalized because we can get really, really personalized, right? You can go on the internet and say that you want to learn about AI and blockchain and quantum computing, and you can have a computer algorithm point you to the exact courses and which ones you have to take when and which professor you got to meet and which mentors you got to get in your life. And you can get really, really personal, even down to your learning style, Mm -hmm. right? School wasn't really good for me because when I answered my second and third year university, I only had a grade 11, 12 reading level. Mm -hmm. So now you're going to one of the top universities in the world. And thankfully for my, for my scholarship, you know, I, I didn't necessarily have to worry about tuition or anything, but you're going to a top university and you're competing with really, really bright students and you only have a grade 11 or 12 reading level. But my ability to audibly digest information that comes my way or watch a video and tinker around and learn how that person is doing and apply it to how I'm doing it. You know, my ability to do stuff like that was considerably better than let's say the next individual. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, if you look at just the the ecosystem of education and how it's being deconstructed to, and to be built up to be very personalized to the individual, you know, there's immense, immense opportunity there, but we have to be able to just, Unlearn, unlearn is a big word. Yeah, what we've been accustomed to and what we've been used to in every single institution, from education to government to work and career to everything, right? And it, it's it's a very audacious task. And for those folks that 
have never been through that process before and never looked themselves in the mirror and really asked that question, what am I good at? What can the world pay me for? What, the, what does the world need? And what am I passionate about? And really try and draw a box around those four arenas. It's very, very scary. Mm-hmm. And again, it kind of goes back to my first point. We have to be able to have the ability to develop some of these human characteristics and long lost human traits internally. Leadership, mm-hmm. right? Uh, again, empathy and just working in teams and, you know, just even the ability to just like sit in your sadness or sit in your fear or sit in the things that make you scared and ask you ask yourself the question of why am I feeling this way? Right. Mm -hmm. Why am I getting nervous about going to pitch to RBC? Right. When I've accomplished X, Y, Z and they call this meeting to have it with with me and with us. Why am I nervous? Mm -hmm. But again, it's our lizard brain. Right. It's our fight versus flight mentality. So we have to kind of acknowledge it, sit with it, but realize that as humans, we've been equipped with so much more. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, as individuals, we're powerful beyond measure. We just have to figure out in what ways we are powerful. Mm. You know, that's an interesting story you said about how you were at, you know, the U of A and, and you had a grade 11, 12 reading level, but you were able to find what worked for you, right? Because mm-hmm. there is no cookie cutter formula yep. for this thing called life. If there was a blueprint for life, you know, we'd all be <laughs> we'd all be reading it yeah, and, yeah. And, and following it, right? And that's why, you know, our experiences and, and are, are so important and our own path is, is so, you know, important to us. And, and for us to figure these, these things out, right? Um, which brings me to my next question. Like, how did basketball translate for you, you know, in in creating C-Tribe and, and getting into the tech world? How did it translate? There's a lot that came from basketball. I think the biggest impact that it had on my life was... just the willingness to see things through and just developing that level of grit to be like, fuck, today is hella hard, right? We got, I got to go to workout in the morning. I got then got to go to school. I then got to go to have a shoot around at lunch, go back to school, then have practice and then do suicides after before I even, you know, get to sit down and rest and stuff and do homework (laughs) and do homework. Yeah. But it taught, it taught you that grit to be like, okay, you know, today might suck, but if I get into this routine and I modify my body to notice this as being normalized, then not only am I getting used to this practice or this routine, but I'm able to take the next step to even push myself a little bit harder the next day. And if I continue on this trend, there might be a light at the end of the tunnel, right? There's no guarantee that we're going to win the championship or, 
make it to nationals or win Canada West, but we're taking the right steps to get there. And we might get lucky at the end of this path or at the end of this journey. And I think that's what a lot of, you know, what life is about, right? If we even look at the story of SpaceX, you know, I was reading just this little post and it was saying how in 2008, SpaceX, they had failed their rocket launch, you know, three consecutive times. And Elon Musk was basically last, I mean, down to his last self or, you know, self-worth. And I mean, for a guy like that, you know, we're still talking millions of dollars (laughs) and stuff, right? But, you know, he had a decision to make as to whether he was going to invest into SpaceX and keep that company going. I mean, he had another company at the time, Solar City, what now has been, I think it's been acquired by by Tesla or yeah, I think it's been acquired by by Tesla, but that company was also struggling and kind of finding its its whims and stuff. So he had a choice as to whether he was going to take his last dollar and invest it into SpaceX or invest it into Solar City, Solar City, you know, with both companies kind of being on the cusp of failure and everybody writing him and his organization off. And he took his dollar and invested it into both companies. And thankfully for him, it worked out. But, you know, he basically came to the realization that by going down this path is more riskier than taking the lump sum of money and just plugging it into just one company and letting the other one die. Mm -hmm. And so I think sport is really similar to that, right? We, we make these investments in our routine and our team and our, in our craft. And there's no guarantee that there's going to be any success or any, that you're going to see that fruit of the labor down the road. But what the beautiful thing that comes out of it is just that level of grit, right? And that level of looking your challenge in the eye and being like, I'm going to take this on today and there's nothing that can get in my way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think just sport is just such a beautiful thing. There's such a beautiful thing about that. And for, you can even, you can see it in like the athletes that are coming up too. And I, I think that's why athletes make really, really good business owners because, you know, kind of to one of my first points, there's some very unglamorous things that you have to do on a day to day to keep your business alive. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, from one day you're sweeping the floors, you're being an admin, you're the counselor, you're painting walls, whatever you got to do to just, you know, keep things alive. But, you know, the more that you kind of learn your systems and processes, the more you'll be like, holy crap, like this is actually getting easier. Um, the more that I, I kind of get into these routines and stuff. Right. Um so yeah, sports has been just like really good for, for, for me for, and just, you know, that, that's something that I look for in like team members as well is just that level of grit and just like dedication to getting better. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing about sports is like, you know, you, you're going to war with a bunch of people that have the same goal as you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're all coming together for one common goal. Exactly. So when you're, you know, going into the business world, it's the same thing. You're yeah. going to war with a bunch of people that have the same goal as you. And, you know, 
from sport to that translates because that's a familiar environment. That's a mm-hmm. very familiar scenario day in, day out. You know, and it's about laying, you know, one brick yep. at a time. But you uh you mentioned uh how Elon put, you know, all his money into these two companies when mm-hmm. he could have chosen one. Most people yeah. don't diversify in that situation, yeah. right? Some people give up. Yeah. Right, and it, it brought me. It, it made me think of a point um, Dame Dash mentioned in an interview. Yeah, he said, I, "I don't keep any of my money; I put it all back on the street." Yeah, and you know what people? I I think people misinterpret that, but <laughs> I I understand what he's saying. What Elon does is he doubles down on himself. For sure, yeah. You know, he doubles down on. He's, he's confident in himself. It's almost. On the outside looking in, it's almost a sense of delusion. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. You know, yep. you have this this belief in what you're doing, and you you're saying, you know, I'm putting ten mil on, you know, myself coming out at the end of this. Yeah. Well, mathematically, it doesn't make sense, right? It it, it is delusional. Mm-hmm. You know, mathematically, it doesn't make sense for forty four teams in Canada to be fighting for one trophy at the end of uh, you know a nine month period. It just it doesn't make sense. There's only mm-hmm. going to be one out of forty four that's going to get to the end. So it is a level of delusion, mm-hmm. but it's the process of what you're getting out from that, mm-hmm. right? And I think you need that. We say delusion, and that is what it is. Yeah, like you said, that is what it is. You need a little bit of that, though, yeah. you know, because the numbers will never, the numbers will never tell you when something is a safe investment yeah. or if something uh-huh. is is a safe risk there's no such thing yeah. right so that level of delusion is is so necessary and you know everybody's risk aversion is not the same not everybody has the same tolerance for risk mm-hmm. but you know what covid showed me was that okay at this time with everything up in limbo like this it's time for me to quadruple down on myself, yeah, 100%, you know, yeah. and not leave it in the air for somebody else to, you know, wave a paycheck in my, in my <laughs> face and say, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you do need that sense of delusion. You do need that sense of confidence. And I think you do get that from sports. Sport is the experience you get from sports is priceless. No yeah. matter what sport you play, yeah. you know, it, it, it instills discipline. It instills goal setting. Mm-hmm. It instills, Grit mm-hmm. and, and grit is probably the most important yeah. um, aspect of, of any pursuit, For whether sure, it's yeah. art, whether it's business, whether it's you know podcasting, rapping, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, when adversity is looking you in your eye, yeah. how you respond to it is yeah. what's important, not what happened or how it goes down. Is how you bounce back from everything. 100%, yeah. So, you know, I think it's it's, it's really exciting that you know. Edmonton can call you one of their own and, and that Thank you're you. so invested in seeing the city, seeing the city grow, you know, and I wish, uh, I do kind of wish more people would, would see it that way because coming from Toronto, you know, big city, like you were saying, it looks glamorous. It looks good. You know, everything mm-hmm. looks nice in Toronto, but yeah. it's, uh, it's a tough place to cut it. Yeah. You know, you'll never really see it in Instagram photos or on Google images. You know, it kind of takes you having to live there and see people you grew up with not make it, you know, people you grew up with not get to see a certain age, people you grew up with not 
you know, be thinking on the same level as you or even make it finish high school. So, mm-hmm. you know, we always think that the grass is greener on the other side, but yeah. the grass is greener where you water it. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> <Exactly>. know, <Yeah. laughs> basic gardening, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What? What made you? What made you uh, start a Sea Tribe? What made you? You know get into that space because it's, it's more than just events it's more than just you know i know it's more than just you mm-hmm. it's, it's usually when we're doing things like this it's bigger than us yep. and it should be bigger than you yeah you know it should never be i'm doing this for the money it should never be i'm doing this because i want the recognition it's always something bigger than the individual mm-hmm. so what what is it for you i Speaking of big cities, I I had a chance to live in New York City for a while. And, I mean, if you could imagine small-town kid, mid-20s, moving to the concrete jungle and just the excitement and energy that you would have. You know, we we had a software company at the time called Capsule. And basically what we were building was this, uh, it's kind of like, you know, you know Yelp? Yep. So kind of like Yelp for video. Mm-hmm. So instead of, uh, you know, going on Yelp and reading recommendations in terms of, you know, places to eat or things to do, you would receive, you know, video recommendations, right? So, for example, I mean, how does how does uh, somebody describe your store, right? Like in, in written word. It's like, yeah, you know, there's there's rugs and you know, the, the wall's red and, you know, it's a beautiful place. I recommend that you go get your rugs from there. Right. But I mean, the power of video, I mean, kind of back to one of our earlier conversations of, you know, the power that we have in pot in our pocket with just, you know, some high resolution cameras and stuff and just how that has changed the way that we interpret things and how we interact and even social media and stuff, you know, just, seeing video content of places and spaces and things that we want to experience and then layering on the fact that if let's say I'm going to Toronto and you and I have very similar interests, right? You know, we, we like the same sports, we like the same food. There's a lot of the things that we find, you know, we share general interests with, right? It's much easier for me to be like, Hey Alex, I'm going to Toronto. You know, what are some of the things that I should get into and stuff, right? So, and, you know, what we were trying to solve was we, we found that Yelp didn't have that level of, uh, I guess, like pers- personalization or even like social recommendation kind of built into like its platform and stuff, right? You were just going online and you're reading random stuff from people that you didn't know. And could be fake too, right? Could yeah. be fake, yeah. I mean, there's a whole other, you know, whole other thing on just like fake reviews and people who have never even visited the location writing negative stuff, but that's for a whole other conversation. But, you know, we thought that we could create a platform that was similar to, similar to Yelp, but it was based on recommendations from our friends and based on video content, right? And, you know, even like hindsight's only 2020, but eventually it would even be more like inbound and um, kind of AI driven in the sense that as soon as I booked that flight to Toronto, now, I don't have the task of 
getting in touch with all my friends in Toronto and receiving recommendations from them or going on Yelp and doing that outbound work of receiving recommendations and stuff, I would then, you know, as soon as I booked that flight and it showed up in my calendar on, on Gmail, it would notify my friends being like, hey, SARS going from going to Toronto from August 18th to 26. You know, I saw Alex that you were there, um, you know, or you lived there for the last eight years. Uh, make sure that you send your favorite, we call them capsules. Make sure you send your favorite capsules with him so that he can make sure that he can have a, a really good time and stuff, right? So it kind of just handled a lot of the inbound work of finding those like recommendations and things to get, get into and stuff, right? So we were building this product, you know, we were seeing some fairly significant growth, especially in like the, the, uh, the, the local region here and stuff. And, you know, we, we raised a six figure friends and family round. So, I mean, if you can imagine just like graduating school and, you know, I, I had this tech team of, you know, four or five people and, you know, we raised six figures. You'd look at your bank account and you see those, those numbers light up and stuff. <laughs> you know, we were just like, man, like we're, 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 we're on one, right? We're, we're doing this. And then we get a call to go interview for this accelerator program in New York city. So like at this point, like just our ego was just like, through the roof right because hey like new york is calling they they like our product they you know they they read our application and they they like what we're doing so this this must be it so this was about august i wasn't leaving to new york until about october so there was about like a three-month window and by, by like august we were about like halfway burnt through our our friends and family round and stuff so we we spent half of the money that we we raised and stuff because when you're building a software company you're not making any you're not making any money mm -hmm. you're just investing into the technology into the the cold the algorithms the the user experience and all that sort of and stuff it, right it runs out quick yeah exactly <laughs> so you know come october you know i'm getting on that plane and you know, I'm looking at the bank account and I'm like, man, like scratching my head. Shit. You know, we really got to blow it out of the water with this trip because, you know, we may not make it for the next six to eight months and stuff. Right. So I, I, you know, I, I, I take out uh, a spot on my friend's couch. New York's really expensive, right? It's oh, paying yeah. like $1,500 or something. Um, on the couch? On the couch. On the couch. Yeah, <laughs> it was in the uh, fifteen hundred for a couch. It was in the Upper East Side or something of, of Manhattan. Just crazy, um, but uh, so the accelerator program they invited us for an interview. So me as a CEO, I had to basically go through the interview rounds and make the compelling case as to why they should accept us in this program, and then. You know, then we would receive like a cash injection and then we would, in, you know, receive all these like mentors and stuff of people that have been in our space and stuff. So there was a lot of pressure on me being the person who had to kind of go and almost be like the breadwinner for, for the mm -hmm. company and stuff. Right. While while we still had a team of about three or four people back back home working on the product and stuff. Long story short, we didn't get into the program. Mm -hmm. um, and. But I had taken out enough time there to be there for like the next like four months and stuff right so i'm like shit like didn't get into the program 
you know, we're running out of cash. We're trying to like get this product off the ground and stuff. Um, just really, really stressed and just like, you know, experiencing things and like challenges of like leadership and building a company that I've just never experienced before. Right. Especially for like the first year where things were just really smooth sailing. We launched our first iteration of our product. We got users, we got money in the bank. We got, you know, brand ambassadors and people believing in what we were building and stuff. But every Friday morning I would wake up and I would go to this event you know, it would start at like 7 a.m. And if anybody has lived in New York before, they understand just how crazy the subway system is there. And, you know, it literally takes you so much time to get from one side of the city to the to the other or even just like within the city and stuff. And but I would wake up every morning, make it to this event at this coffee shop at 7 a.m. The gifted gap. 